Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, the Crypto Hipster, Jamil Hassan, where I bring you founders, entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, artists, musicians, you name it, all over the world in crypto and blockchain. And today, actually today and the summer season, I am bringing to you a new compilation episode. Last year, from seasons one, two, and three, I brought you the Crypto Hipsters Chronicles. And now, from season four and five, without further ado, I bring you the Crypto Hipsters Mysticals. And what that is, and what it was last year, and what it is this year, it's a compilation. It's a compilation of three or four podcasts together as like a montage. And on a certain topic or area of interest in crypto and blockchain, pulling from my podcasts. And now, as we're heading to the summer of 2023, I bring to you the Crypto Hipsters Mysticals. And there's going to be 22 or 23 or 24 around their episodes. And I look forward to you looking forward to it. So thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for, for enjoying my podcasts. And this is going to be a summer treat for everybody. So please sit back, enjoy, and uh, yeah, let me know your thoughts. Welcome to episode one of the Crypto Hipsters Mysticals. The title of this Mysticals episode is The Future of Web3 Gaming in a Global World. This Mysticals episode draws upon four crypto hipster podcasts. The first is a clip from Nicholas Gilo. He is the founder and CEO at Ultra. The second is Renz Chong, who's the CEO of Breeder Dow. Then we have Corey Wilton, who's the co-founder and CEO of Mariah Labs. And last but not least is Mark McCurry. He is the head of blockchain at Shrapnel. Enjoy. I still think of one of the biggest issues that we see. I mean, say say the technology is there and you can do it. And that's a solution long term, right? And it's a seamless transition, right? I still think that there's exists today. And let me know your thoughts on this. Um, a trust issue, right? How can we create more trust and green the state, you know, a better state of credibility blockchain gaming because i believe there's still a stigma what do you think about that no it's, it's totally fair it's totally fair assessment um that's history and experience people see what happened i need nothing looks really good so far uh in a sense that there was like people heard scam there was like people who lost money there was like all this kind of uh bad vibe around it um now there was some success stories as well uh, but they are not gaming success stories. They are around the games industry, like you have CryptoKitties or others, which, you know, it, it basically opened the door to the the large developers and, and uh, to see that, oh, there is potential. And that's, I think, to me, where they started to, okay, that's maybe something, let's, let's dig a bit into it. Uh, but that wasn't a real gaming, uh, like there was no gamers playing playing you know like the early crypto games so really more about speculation and that was what it is what it was uh, and today we don't have yet um 
amazing games that are like uh, out of the box. You start to have some. Uh, you had like Cross the Ages doing super well. Uh, you had like a lot of, of games that are starting now to be successful. That's the beginning. Uh, we didn't have like a huge success story so far that is uh, all over the press. Uh, and I think that's what's missing. When you're going to start to have people like uh, seeing that actually that's a real business, they're going to put more effort into it. And But I mean, who? I mean, all the large, uh, like a Rockstar or like, a, I don't know, EA or whatnot, when they start to put their efforts into it, you're going to see like a big, big change. I mean, some tried from the large ones, but there was a problem of messaging, problem of uh, how it's been done. But I think people learn over time uh, and we would be able to see, I think in the near future, we're going to start to see a much, much better environment. Before. When you have like the large ones, uh, incumbent that are part of it, it's less stressful for the rest. But I think that's a question of yeah, success stories. So that's where I guess you're going to leverage your experience with Tencent right um with the institutions and with the creation of a pc gaming store right like what are some of the painful lessons that you can take from crypto plus your experience from tencent and create you know something for going forward how do you see those the, the merge of your two two experiences in the you know in the gaming and the crypto and tencent so that for the future of the, of the gaming stores Yep. Uh, in terms of the gaming store, I think what we've seen in the past is, you know, it really started right 20 years ago as a digital version. So Steam is, I think, almost 20 years now, uh, maybe yeah, a bit later, later, later this year. Um, and we've seen how it was before, so physical. Then it went to digital. Uh, and basically, when they did that, uh, you started also to have like the self-publishing aspect that came, came with it. And that was something new that people could self-publish. Uh, and I think that's really a big, the first, big first change that happened in the, in the space, in the, the space. Now today, PC game store, the main problem is that's really hard for finding great games because there is lots of them that are great, but nobody ever saw them. Uh, lots of uncovered gems for the players. Uh, that's today a big, one of the biggest problem, I believe. You also have the gray market. Like you can see a lot of website around and usually it's not beneficial for the, for the game, for the game developers. They don't really earn from it. So if somebody, they made a cool discount, actually the rest of the market is, is out, out of their hand. Um, that's something that we tackled with the um, second hand resale solution. So as a game publisher, you can say, Hey, um, I would accept that your game can be resold, but only after three months, because I know my launch plan, how it's going to be. I know at that point in time, that's the perfect time for opening secondary market. And then we put some boundaries as well, saying, okay, you can resell, but that's minimum 20 bucks for the game. Um, and I will get a percentage as well. So that's all of a sudden become an incentive for game publishers to do so. Before they had no incentive. Even on the physical world was the same. Uh, you go to GameStop, you give your game, people buy it, but the game, the game developers gets nothing, which yeah, not, not so fair. Uh, and that, that's really something that we make uh, a big switch that happened uh, with our technology. And that's because you have the bullshit tech that can allow these kind of things. And the fact that you also, you know, oh, that player is a game. Even if I don't know who that is, 
I can still reward him. I can bring him into a tournament. I can offer him like an AMA because we can see he was on the, one of the early players in our games. So there's many things you can do around the clock um, that are valuable. That makes sense with what you said earlier that, it's still, that blockchain is still an area that everybody's learning. So that makes perfect sense to me. Um, so I want to ask you about this. I want to shift gears a little bit more macro. Uh, I read a report on Thursday. App Radar. It's pretty. They're pretty good with uh, analytics for gaming. Um, they recently published a, a report showing Asia as a booming crypto gaming industry, with the U.S. as a laggard. Right. Um, so, what drives Asia's high interest in crypto uh, gaming, and how is this growth sustainable? And then, what you guys are doing in Asia. Right. Uh, I guess this ultimately ties back to the idea of like play to earn, right? As a concept, um, compared to like US or compared to, I guess, first world countries, right? Third world countries in terms of like minimum wages are actually very, very low, right? And at one point, like games like Axie Infinity provided more income um, to to regular, you know, I guess Filipinos, um, since I'm gonna use like Philippines as like a basis, the regular Filipinos. Um, than you know going to a, a normal job right or a typical job so i guess that created like a movement which then cascaded to a lot of individuals here uh, and eventually allowed for more people to enter into the space so thinking about it like because i get to earn more like like in this game then i just would rather quit my job and then play this game i didn't get stressed like 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 i didn't have to spend eight hours but i got more <laughs> um with this game than my job would ever give me right um you have success stories where people would actually buy cars buy houses just by playing Axie infinity and so that entire thing created like a new huge wave of, of adoption at least on asia side and specifically in the philippines right so i think if you look at it the campaign was the one that actually helped the adoption for for asia and and for countries like the philippines and if you look at like the u.s market um they really don't care about like being able to earn what uh eight dollars a day um it, it's something not big for them right or it's not big for them in general and i guess like if you look at the west in general and and, and more of like the developing country or developed countries right um it's basically their early wage right um, but, but for countries like the Philippines, it's actually very huge. And so that created like a movement. But I guess uh, adopt like blockchain gaming. Um, I think this goes really well with how the developers are looking at it. US is actually a very lucrative market for a lot of like these games, right? And if you actually look at the population or the percentage of people that are actually spending on free-to-play games, a huge number or a huge portion is actually based off out uh, based out of the US. And so the way people are now thinking about it is that if we're eventually going to introduce like skins, wearables, or a lot of these things within games, then US is going to be like a solid market. But before that, like we need to create like games that are going to be appealing to them, right? And not like, you know, incentivize them or, or motivate them via the earning component, which is what we use to actually garner like uh, eyeballs uh, on Asia um, and specifically for developing countries, right? So it's going to be a different game altogether and 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 for me like because the quality of games isn't up to standards of what typically um 
the, the US and, and, and more developed countries are actually playing time for sure. And it will take um, a new set or a new genre of, of like games aside from the initial one, uh, which is more PVP card battler, right? So yeah. You're building your like mid, I say medium term games. They're building these longer term games. The crypto industry, as you know, has tremendous velocity and things change very rapidly, right? How do you keep up to speed on all the rapid advancements so that you can incorporate them into what you're building and maybe be have an advantage versus the longer term games who might be outdated by the time their game is complete? You hit the nail on the head there. Um, that was just the way we looked at it, if I'm honest with you. these Those very big games usually are filled with industry veterans because they generally will stick to their guns so long and they know how to acquire users independent of what is happening. Like when Harry Potter came out, they've obviously been building that game for many, many years. And current technology of how you would build a game is far advanced to what they had used then. But, but it still blew up and it still went crazy um, for us because we're a small studio comparative to most, we have about 90 staff members. Um, we're able to pivot a bit quick, more quickly, but also the reality is we just don't have as much money. So if we see an opportunity, we need to be able to seize it. Uh, and if we've committed to a game development of four years and our runway all of a sudden for some reason is three years, we can't even ship the game to try to make money. Um, so as a studio, especially a startup studio, we need time in the trenches. Um, and for us, the more games that we ship, uh, we know that games are going to have a shelf life, but the more games that we ship, the more time we have in the trenches, the better we can be. Um, whereas these guys are taking very, very large risk, which sure, they, they may, it may work for them and it may fail for us. Um, that's just the way life goes, but we just felt it was a survival rate percentage it was a better chance for us yeah and you hit the nail on the head too and you said trenches you know a lot a lot of people have a take right it's, it's a take an opinion right of what's going on but they never they never ever been in the trenches right they never did that grunt work right so what's the benefit of like actually being in the trenches and doing the grunt work and how have you taken your experience doing that so that you can apply it to the game and build a future for your company and the industry yeah i think that's just where we've been so blessed right when in in 2021 we had 200 million dollars go through the platform um, peer to peer uh, 500,000 players we just got a lot of data and we got to see what what people do what people's motives are what a small change can do to a game like that and what having an open economy can do to a game that you're meant to have full control over um we learned a lot and this is just something for sure i can tell people but they just do not feel the weight uh, and probably take the same action we would because we really felt that weight um and, and understand what it means so i think this is just you know this is why older people have a higher success rate i would say on average uh, than a young person like myself because you simply have time in the trenches you have time alive that's why people laugh at life coaches who are 23 years old it doesn't make sense it's in, it's impossible for you to tell me how to live a life when you have barely experienced a third of mine for example 
Um, so yeah, this is just the way I, I, I personally do look at it. And for those guys who haven't had time in the trenches, I hope that they're looking to to speak to people who have had time in the trenches because they can obviously offer some form uh, of advice, at least of what not to do. Yeah. And is this, what do you see coming out of this crypto winter? What are some of the things that you that that will drive, like, what are they? Yeah, well, so I think here's, here's the thing that, and, and I've, I've been an early stage tech guy for a long time. You can't see me on the call, but lots of gray hair, right? And so the the, the thing that I've noticed, in, and I talk to people about in the crypto space, and I've seen this like <clears throat> in every technology that I've got into an early early stage, right? Is that um, there are people that who are the early adopters who I I would say have a high threshold for pain, right? And so like you don't need a lot of documentation, like they're true believers. This is the world's best thing, and there's a there's a mindset like, hey, my thing is. Is the most important thing in the world and you need to go through the pain to go learn it and the reality is that most people say no no thank you right and so um one of the things that i think is 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 going to come out of crypto winter and it's going to have to is one of the things that i'm doing as part of the platform that we're building here in, in trackle is that you want to empower people to do great things with the technology right um if everyone who wanted to use something that had a database behind the scenes had to learn all the technology about databases you wouldn't have as many things that use databases, right? I mean, that's, that's reality, right? And so like with, with Shrapnel and, and so the platform we have called Bridge that's under the covers for this, the, the, the key thing here is that people want to interact with, with weapons and characters and cosmetics in gear and land and those sorts of things. And what they don't want to know is like, hey, should this be a 721 or an ERC 771 or an 1155? Oh, but if we want to do rent, if we want to rent these out or if we want to do combine these together, like, which EIPs do I need to know and all this that? It's like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to focus on the fun. I want to build a great game and I want to go ahead and go do that. And so I think the people that are going to come out of crypto winter, I think you'll see some really interesting stuff in the ZK space. Uh, and, and, and I think that was already on a trajectory and that, that will be the focus. But I also think there's going to be people like us who are focusing on like, hey, this, this is a super powerful technology for things that you want to go do. And if you're in gaming or if you're in, you know, um, finance, or if you're in, um, in you know, in, insurance or media production and those sorts of things, there's a bunch of really interesting things you can go do. And the people who make it very easy for people who can do those scenarios to use it in, in, and build it into their workflows is, is super key. And so I think, you know, understanding like, what's the terminology people use? Like they don't use EIP and ERC, right? What, what are the workflows they use? What are the tools that they use? And how do you integrate that? And so to the degree that you can reduce the friction for people to, to leverage the capabilities that are there, um <laughs> and then connect with other people is key um and and i hope you know education is is you know, i'm always a big believer in, in education right it's like um i'll tell you in the early days of blockchain i had people who call me out there's, there's one guy who was a consultant in europe and i swear the guy was on the verge of tears like dude this this can't be this difficult like i, I built like large-scale systems like this is, this is it's like the documentation is horrible and so but this is that transition right between like hey you're a true believer, early adopter, high threshold for pain. And so you're like, hey, I've got a day job, but I've got an idea. And so I think we'll see more stuff there. And, and I do think we'll see it more in, in the low code, no code space as well. So really sort of working with the terminology people understand, the tools they understand, and make it, make it super easy. And I, and I do think you'll see like um, games like a Shrapnel. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be here. I mean, Shrapnel has the ability to influence this across multiple dimensions. It's got an amazing game. It's got this great set of creator tools. 
and it has a marketplace, right? And so we have all these different pieces together so we can really um, sort of showcase the art of the possible there because it's not, um, and, and everything we're doing is bridgeable. So we can go to any chain that's there and, and all the rest. So I'm really excited about um, the, the opportunities for folks that are there because I think those are the things that will be getting, getting funded. And I, I think the, the interesting thing for me about stuff in the gaming space is that, you know, if you think like at its core, what is a game? A game is, is, is a universe, it's a world, right? And that world has all the analogs we have in real life. Right? It's another reason why I'm here, right? And so it, you've got, um, whether it's, it's goods or services or, or media and those sorts of things. And so we're figuring out all the patterns here in, in our world, but there's no reason why they couldn't translate to the real world later on. And so I think as people build out games and things around, whether it's games or metaverse, you're figuring out a bunch of different patterns for how this could work out in a world in a playable fashion where you'll get millions of people to go bang on it. And then you can take those to other scenarios as well. So, so I think there's a ton here, both in, in the gaming space. Um, and then I think um, with uh, chains like Avalanche and things that happen with ZK, I think there's just going to be uh, much more throughput, which really frees people up to be super creative um, in terms of what they can do where before they were fairly constrained um, in the past. I, I've been, I, I've felt really liberated working with, with, um, the avalanche chain just because i i the first meeting i had with them as i looked at because i hadn't spent a lot of time working with avalanche to be candid before i came to to shrapnel and i was looking at the feature set i'm like well it seems like you guys actually listened like, like all the things that i needed to actually be able to, to move things forward which is great with the throughput that's like oh i have a lot more options to go do that so i think as more people see that too during crypto winter they'll they'll see uh they'll come up with some really fun stuff for us to see in, in, in a few months time i think mean, i think it's probably like six to nine months out you'll see lots of stuff coming out from, from a number of places.